Okay, so we're up to Daft Tzadi Beis, Amid Beis. The last word is Tanan. But let, let me explain. Today's Daft is, is not complicated at all. It's complicated like Be'in, but it's not complicated Be'kiyas. I would say it's complicated Be'in, not Be'kiyas. Okay, so we had yesterday's Daf a discussion like this. We know that all Chayvei Lav and Rebbe Kiva holds makes a Mamzer and Kedushin is not Typhus. We Paskin, Kedushin is Typhus from Chayvei Lav. And we had yesterday, the Shita of Rav is that there's one Chayvei Lav and that's an exception. That Kedushin is not Typhus. And that's a Yavama. If a woman is waiting to do Yivam and she marries someone else, the Kedushin is not Typhus. Based on a Pasuk. Okay. So he says, I'll prove it to you. This Brisa... He quoted, I'm sorry, a Mishnah. It's a Mishnah in, uh, I think it's Ksuvas. The Mishnah was describing the concept of a makna davashalayi bala'aylam. This Mishnah believes that you cannot be makna davashalayi bala'aylam, which means you can't make an act. If you're going to make an act of acquisition now, all the elements have to be in existence at the time. The buyer, the seller, and the item. If one of those things is not in existence, it doesn't work. That Mishnah was dealing with that premise. So that Mishnah was dealing with situations where you cannot make a Kenyan now, and so you know you can't do it now, but can I do it for later? I'll give you an example, the first case of the Mishnah. A non-Jewish man who's in the process of conversion goes over to a Jewish woman, gives her a ring, and says, when I convert. So they can't convert now. He can't make her now, because he's not Jewish, but he wants to do it for later. That's called makna davish You're trying to give over Kedushin, which doesn't exist now. You're trying to make a Kenyan on something that doesn't exist. You're trying to make a Kenyan on a Jewish man, and there's no Jewish man here. So it doesn't work. The last case in the Mishnah of what doesn't work is you go over to a woman who's waiting to do Yibam, you give her a ring, and you say, when you do Chalitza. The Mishnah says it doesn't work. Why? Because she can't be Makadish now. Kedushin is not Typhus now. And you know that. So the Gemara says, I know Kedushin is not Typhus now, so I want to be Makadish for after the Chalitza. It doesn't work because it's Dover Shalai Belayla. Point is, you see from this Mishnah that Kedushin is not Typhus, yeah? who's waiting to do Yivam and says, Listen, I'm giving you a ring. I know I can't be Makadish you now because Kedushin is not Typhus, but I'm going to say, Hare Makadish Asli, when you do Chalitza, it should be Chal. It should be Chal. Um, it's active. Yeah. No, not retroactive. Not retroactive at the time. Yeah, it should be Chal. I'm giving you the Kenya now, and I want it to be Chal when that happens. So the, the halacha is that it doesn't work. Because it's makna davar Because right now that woman who doesn't exist. So you're making a kenyan on the people that don't exist. Because the woman who's eligible for kedushin doesn't exist right now. Fine. But what do you see from this? You see from this mission is that kedushin is not typhus on the yavam. Ah, so you see this. So the, the last thing we did yesterday was the gemara says perhaps it's Rabbi Kiva, who just says kedushin is not typhus on chavei lavin. Meaning. How do you know that it's, oh, you see the Kedushin is not Taifas on Yavama, and it's the exception. Maybe this just follows the view of Rav Akiva, that Kedushin is not Taifas on all Chayvei Lavan. So it's, it is, there's no indication that Yibam, Yavama is, is the exception. Maybe this, it could have, you could have inserted Machzer Grushas, I don't any woman. So the last thing we said was, it can't be. Why? Because Rav Akiva holds, you could be Machna Dabr Shalei You could do a Kenya now on something that doesn't exist, and it will be Chal later. So therefore, if this is indeed Rav Akiva, that, who's the author of this Mishnah, that Kedushin is not Taifas on any Chayvei Lavin, you would be able, it would, the Kenyan would work. This Mishnah is following the view that you cannot be Makna Dabr Shalai Bala'olam. Rav Akiva doesn't believe that. So Rav Akiva cannot be the author of this Mishnah, which means this Mishnah is being authored by the Rabbanon, who holds that Kedushin is Taifas on Chayvei Lavin. So why can't I be Mekadashi Yavama? It must be 
Yavama is the exception. Okay, so now now that we mentioned Rav Akiva, what today's daf is going to be is we are going to be listing the, the listing the opinions that hold you cannot be makna davish uh, So it's very important that you understand that that concept because that's what this daf is about being makna davish which means you're making a kinyan now for something that doesn't exist right now, but it will exist later. The most obvious situation is I go to you. Um, I go to you, but when you're planting seeds, and you're like, "Hey, the, you're planting trees. The apples that will grow, I want to buy it now. I want to buy it." The question is, is that a valid Kenyan? They don't exist right now. That's the shy love Makadosh Shalom. So right now we're saying Rav Akiva holds you could. How do I know that Rav Akiva holds you could? The Tanan, the top of Tzadik Gimel. How do I know that Rav Akiva holds you could be Makna Dover Shalom So they says like this: Koyinam Shani Oyselaficha Enoit Sarich Lahafer. Okay, one of the obligations that a woman has is, is called Maisia Deho, which means that what a woman, um, let's say she has a side hustle, right? She has a, a small job, whatever. All the proceeds that she, that she makes or anything that she produces goes to the husband. It's part of his rights in the Ksuba because he supplies her financially, he gets it. Let's say a woman says, I don't want my husband, it's very healthy, he says, she says to the husband, you are not allowed to benefit from anything that I do. Meaning all, let's say she knits for a living. All the knitting that I make and all the money I get from knitting, you're not allowed to touch. The halacha is, you do not need to do atar sadarim. Why? Because she's assuring something that she doesn't own. It belongs to the husband. She can't assur the husband on it. It's not her right. You don't have to do atar sadarim because you only have to do atar sadarim on something that could work. This doesn't work. You don't need to do atar sadarim. Fine. Rabbi Kiva says, Yafer, Rabbi Kiva says, no, you do, why? Shematadif alav yoyser min Oh. Why is it that, that you don't have to do a tarasadarim? Because everything she produces automatically goes to the husband. Let's say you have a woman who's mamish, she, she's, she's pulling in $50 million a year. Like she's, she's, she's making an astronomical amount of money. The husband doesn't get all that. The husband only gets, Chazal gave the husband the normal amount, you have to know exactly what the normal amount is, Chazal gave the, the wife's proceeds go to the husband as a compensation for the husband supplying her with finances, with food and with, you know. But if she's making a lot more money, then the excess money actually belongs to her. So it says Rebbe Kiva, you do have to do a Sitaris Dharm, why? Because she could asser, let's say Chazal gave the husband the first $10,000, if she makes 20, then the extra 10, she did asr. Okay, what do you see? You see that a woman in the beginning of the marriage can make a neder and say, whatever I do will be asr, right? Whatever I do, you can't benefit from. And it only takes effect when she makes the $15,000 in eight months from now. And it works. You understand? That's an example of meaning if I want to say this, here, you're not allowed to touch this item. This exists. Makes sense. Ravakiva is not saying that. Ravakiva is basically saying, I am making an oath now that if I make above $20,000, you can't benefit from it, and it works. The $20,000 doesn't exist now, and yet it still works. So you see, that's an example of So the Gemara rejects it. No, that's not a proof that Ravakiva holds you could be Rav 
Huna says, no, Rav Akiva does not believe you could be makna davar shalom so why does the nether work? Again, Rav Akiva said that if I make a nether, that anything above $10,000, I'm throwing out a number, let's say there's a certain amount of money that the husband gets, above that the woman retains. Let's say it's above $10,000. So Rav Akiva said any money that she makes is above $10,000, she asses on her husband and it takes effect. So you say, but wait, the $10,000 doesn't exist now, and yet it takes effect. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. It's where she specifically, she didn't say the money's usher to the husband because the money doesn't exist now. She said, my hands are usher to the husband when it produces above 10,000. And because her hands exist now, it's not exactly a makna My hands are usher to you, meaning my hands and anything it produces are usher to the husband when it goes above a certain amount. And because her hands exist now, it's not considered that makna It's an interesting thing because it's not... It, it, it's not exactly Machina but it's not not, you, you know what I mean? Like the classic Machina is the item doesn't exist now. Over here, what's the item? It's her hands are producing whatever she's producing. Let's say she's selling baked goods, whatever it is. So it's her hands that are producing it. Her hands exist now. But the items that she's producing don't. So Rav Huna says it depends what she, how she worded it. If she worded it that the proceeds are usher to you, they don't exist now, so it doesn't take effect. But if it says, my hands are usher to you, and the hands do exist, then it does take effect. Because uh, you're grounding the nether on something that does exist. It's a little bit hard to know. So basically, in other words, what we have, we have is a machloikas, whether Rav Akiva holds, you could be makna This leads us to the following discussion. Yeah, basically the entire daf. The Gemara says, Rav Huna's statement, which he explains that Rav Akiva believes you cannot be makna davashel b'loylam, is not like Rav Nachman. Look what Rav Nachman says. It's actually a very interesting b'risa. He says like this. Rav Huna, he traces it. That there's like nine, there's nine opinions, there's nine rabbonim who feel that you can, you could be makna davashel b'loylam. So if you make a neder or you make a kinyan on something that does not exist yet, it, it's, it's an effective kinyan. Rav Huna got it from Rav, who got it from Rebbe, who got it from his Rebbe, Rav Meir, and Rav Meir got it from Olavaz Ben Yaakov, and Olavaz Ben Yaakov got it from Rav Akiva, So all these opinions believe you could be Makna will prove how each one holds this way, and you could trace how they were all got it from their Rebbe, from their Rebbe, from their Rebbe. So Rav Huna, who holds that way, he holds like his Rebbe Rav, who holds that way. Rav holds like Rav Yanai. Rav Yanai holds like Rav Chia. Rav Chia holds like Rebbe. Rebbe holds like Rav Meir. Rav Meir holds like Rav Elizabeth Yaakov. And Rav Elizabeth Yaakov holds like Rav Akiva. And they all believe the same thing, which is you could be Machina Dabr Shalabalayl. Right. So I don't understand something obvious. You really have your shots. You don't see this kind of You don't find it very often. You find it where you'll have, they'll trace seven Rabbanim who agree with the same thing, but that they all. That they got it from Rebbe the Talmud, Rebbe the Talmud. It is interesting. I, I don't know. I'm sure this. I'll speak to Yossi, but I'm sure there's some sort of hashkafic element in this concept of Makredavshal But now, what we're going to do over the daf is we're just going to how we're just going to bring down different uh, brises that prove how each one holds this way. So we have about eight Tanoim and Amiroyim who hold you could make a Kenyan on something that doesn't exist, and let's just go through each one. Let's start. Ravuna. Let's start with Ravuna. He's the first one. He's the latest. So we'll start with Ravuna. We're going to work from latest to first. Ravuna Mahi, the Itmar. Hamaycha Peris Dekel Chavero. 
Okay, uh, here's, the, here's the deal. You're, you're the farmer, you're planting a decal. It's a palm tree. It's a palm tree. So it's a date palm tree. So you're planting a palm tree, and I go to you and I say, Here, here's the money. I make a Kenya now. I want to buy all the, the dates that are going to grow over the following year. Now, they don't exist right now. So Rav, Rav Huna says it's an effective Kenyan. Now, although it's an effective Kenyan, it's not, like my father said before, it's not retroactive. It only is, it takes effect when the fruit exists. So it's like you started the process, and the process ends when the fruit exists, because you could be makna dabr olam. So if you want to renege, if either party wants to renege, they have until the fruit exists. Once the fruit exists, it already takes effect. Even though you didn't make a Kenyan at the time, the Kenyan now works for when the fruit exists. So let's say six months later, the fruit pop out. Kenyan is chal, you can't renege, it's over. You want to undo it before, that's fine, because it's not retroactive. Rabbi Nachman disagrees. Rabbi Nachman says, no, you cannot be makna dabr so you could renege forever. It's not an effective Kenyan. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Nachman does add, uh, which is interesting. Rav Nachman does agree, though, that if you were to take the fruit, meaning we make the Kenyan now, yeah, for when the fruit exists, Rav Nachman feels it's not an effective Kenyan, and everyone can renege and undo, everyone can walk away. But if the buyer just takes the fruit and hands the money and just takes the fruit, Bidi Evid will, will let it be, which is interesting of how he perceives it. The point is, Rav Huna believes that it's an effective Kenyan, and that's the first one of the list. Good? Oh, if it's warm in here, I can turn on the air conditioner. Turn on the air conditioner? You good? You good? Okay. So that's Rav, Rav Huna. Let's go to the next one. Rav. Rav Huna followed his Rabbi Rav, who also says you can make a kinyan on something that doesn't exist. Tamar Rav Huna Marav. Here's the deal. Um, I'll go with you. You're buying a house, and you're like, I like Avi. I want Avi to have a house. So... You're buying the house, and you make a stipulation. You tell me, you stipulate, when you buy the house, it will go to me retroactively from the time of sale. So you buy the house, and then you give it to me as a gift, but you want, the, but it's going from the time of purchase, it goes to me, the halach is, it works. You're going to buy a house, and you tell me, hey, I'm about to buy a house. When I buy the house, I want it to be yours as a gift retroactively from the time of purchase. The halacha is that it's effective. It's only effective when you give me the house. But it's not mine. Exactly. Meaning, you're going, you're buying a house in January first. You buy it, and then five days later, you give it to me. When is it mine? January 6th. That's not what's happening here. You're going over to me before the purchase, the middle of December. You're like, hey, January 1st, I'm buying a house. When I buy the house, it's going to be yours retroactively from January 1st. The halacha is that... Why is that important? That's an effective Kenyan, meaning that's an effective deal. Because I'll tell you why. If that's not stipulated, it's not an effective deal? No, 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 because I'll tell you why. If you believe you cannot be makna davashalabalaylam, it's not an effective deal. You're giving me over a house that you don't own. Before the purchase, on December 20th, you're shaking my hand and you're saying, hey, January 1st, I'm going to buy a house. When I buy it, it goes to you on January 1st. And it works. 
and I could actually lay claim to it. Even though when you shook my hand and made the deal, you didn't own it yet. You were giving me over a house that you were going to buy. And the halach is that it's an effective Kenyan. If you believe that you can, if you believe you could be makna davar olam, sure. But if you believe you can't, this item doesn't exist to me. Yes, the, the house exists, but vis-a-vis me, it doesn't exist. I'm giving you over something that I don't own yet, and it works. Correct. According to it, it would be Tully in the Shiloh. If you believe you could be Makna Olam, it works. If you believe you can't, then you, I can't have a claim to it because how could I claim something that you gave me when you didn't own it yet? So it's it's Tully in the Shiloh. Rav Huna, who follows Rav, says that it is an effective Kenyan. Okay. The Gemara says, Rav Yanai, let's follow. So we have Rav. We've we've proven Rav Huna now Rav and now Rav Yanai Rav Yanai Kerav Chia the Rav Yanai Havle Arisa Davla Maisle Kinta Deperi Kol Mali Shabsa Okay, so Rav Yanai had this Arisa and Aris is a sharecropper. So it was a, basically it was a guy who um, who uh, who owned the part of the uh, he didn't actually own the field but he worked in the field and as payment for the field he got a certain percentage of the fruits. So basically, Bekitzer every Friday, this sharecropper would bring fruit to Rav Yanai. Okay. And, and that was Raviana's fruit for Shabbos. Okay, so the sharecropper would bring fruit every Friday. So far, so good. One Friday, Raviana goes outside. He's not here yet. And he's afraid this sharecropper is running late. So what's the problem? He's going to bring fruit on Shabbos. Okay, it's not such a big deal. If it doesn't come from outside of the etchum, and there's no carrying, you could eat it. Here's the problem. Trumas and Mises were not separated yet. So... He separated Trumas and Maestras before the guy came for the fruit that will come. Now that's an example of Makna Dava Shalom Why? So Rashi says, well, why? Because the fruit exists. Rashi says because it was possible at the time the fruit was still attached to the ground. When it comes to Trumas and Maestras, uh, it's only Chayiv and Trumas and Maestras when it's detached from the ground. When it's attached to the ground, it doesn't exist yet. When it comes to Trumas and Maestras, when it's attached to the ground, it doesn't exist. Ravyanai, in essence, separated Trumas and Maestras now for fruit that was still attached to the ground for when it's detached. That's an example of making a kinyan now on something that doesn't exist for something that will exist. It's, you know what it's the equivalent of? It's the equivalent of basically saying before you take a job, you're like, okay, I'm going separ- to give Maestras now for the money I m- make over the le- next year and a half. That, that's totally in the Shiloh of being Machina Dabashal Okay, I would assume. So the point is, so that's an example. So he separated Trumas and Maestras for fruit that was still attached for when it's detached. That's an example of being Machna. The Gemara says, also the to Rav Chia. So that's Rav Yanai did that. So you see Rav Yanai holds that it's okay. He goes to Rav Chia, his Rabbi. Amar Shaper of it. He did good. So Rav Chia also signed off on it. The Tanya, how do I know that it's the right thing to do? Because the Pasuk says, you should have fear God, uh, you should accustom yourself to fearing Hashem all day and all night. This is referring to Shabbos and Yom Tov, meaning, in other words, that you should make sure, Rashi says, meaning what you did, which was ensuring that you'll have fruits and vegetables, was the right thing to do, because the Pasuk wants us to have Oynik Shabbos. So you have to make sure to, to do whatever you need to have Oynik Shabbos. 
Now, what is the Pasuk referring to? What does it mean that the Pasuk wants us to ensure that there's Einik Shabbos? If it's just telling us to separate Shumas and Maisris, even on Shabbos, which you're not allowed rabbinically, but you're allowed biblically, it's the Kralamishal Mishrei Tiltel Tiltel That can't be what the Pasuk is referring to. Go to the next page. Because separating Shumas and Maisris on, on, on Shabbos and Yom Tov is a rabbinic prohibition. So the Pasuk cannot be telling us to do that because the Pasuk would not. The Pasuk would not need to tell us to do something that's rabbinically forbidden. If it's only rabbinically forbidden, it's, it means it's biblically permitted. It would not need a Pasuk for that. So what is the Pasuk doing? The Pasuk is obviously telling us, meaning, the Pasuk is telling us on Friday, meaning, the Pasuk is telling us, do something to ensure you have Onik Shabbos. And it's referring to something regarding to fruits and vegetables. That's the Messiah. What is it referring to? So option number one is it's telling you to separate Shumas and Maisis on Shabbos. That you're allowed biblically to do this. The problem is, of course you're allowed biblically. The whole issue of separate Shubhas and Isis on Shabbos is a rabbinic prohibition. I don't need the Pasuk to tell me that it's allowed biblically if it's only rabbinically forbidden. Rather, the Pasuk is telling you to do what Rav, Rav Yanai did, which is on Friday, separate Shubhas and Isis from, from attached stalks, from detached for when it's, for the attached fruit when it's detached. In other words, the Torah is telling me that what Rav Yanai did was right, which is that you should separate Shumas and Maestris for fruit, even if it's still attached, for when it's detached. So Rav Chia said to Rav Yana, you did good. I may need art scroll for this because it's Psokim, I don't know how the translation. The problem is just to end the story. Again, Rav Chia, Rav Yana did this, Rav Chia said you did the right thing. Because it was being mocked with Shalom, but you did the right thing. That night, Rav Yana had the following words in the Pasuk, said to him in a dream. The words were, Kana Ratzutz. Does that mean breaking cedars, breaking reeds? Kana Ratzutz? Yeah, like a bra- breaking reeds. Those two words were said to him in a dream. Now, these two words are found in two different Pesukim. One Pasuk giving Musr, and one Pasuk saying he did the right thing. So he was told that he did the right thing, but he said, I, I, in a dream, they said these words. My love, Hachi Kamerle, is it not referring to the Pasuk in Malachim that says, Hini betach deloch, ha-mishanes ha-kana ha-rotzutz ha-zeh? Um, what, what, what's the translation? Behold, you have relied upon the support of this splintered reed. Oh, so that's a pasuk basically saying that you're you're relying on a broken reed, meaning what you're doing is broken. So you're saying you're telling me I did the right thing. Uh, this pasuk kind of sounds not like that. He says no. Rav Chia responded, "Hachi kamerle, kanor rotzes lo yishbar upashteke lo yichbena." A broken reed will not will not be entirely severed. It's a different pasuk of Yeshaya that actually gives chizuk. Uh, so it's you did the right thing. Okay, so we've proven Rav Huna, Rav, Rav Chia, and Rav Yana. So let's keep going in the list. Rebbe. Okay, Detanya. The Pasuk says you shall not um, work a slave. Now this Pasuk is basically telling you there's a situation where you should not work a slave. There's a situation where you... You should not treat them uh, poorly. What is it referring to? Says Rebbe. Rebbe the case is, you buy a slave, and before you buy the slave, you tell the slave, hey, I'm about to buy you, but when I buy you, you go free. It's very similar to the stock thing, the, the case that you said with the stock, or the house before. I'm buying a slave, and I'm going to slave before I buy him, say, hey, I'm about to buy you, and when I buy you, you go free. The halacha is, that when you do that, it's effective, and he's free, and you don't have the right to work him. So when the Pasuk says you shall not work a slave, it's referring to a case where you buy the slave with the stipulation that when he's bought, he'll go free. That's an example of being makhled of Shabbat. Why? Because you gave the, the slave his freedom before you bought him. And it works. 
you see that you could be mocked in a double shabbat. From the time that he's purchased, retroactively from the time of purchase, he's free. Even though you set the freedom before you bought him, it works. Hey, chidami, what's the case? You wrote, you said to him. Actually, you wrote it in a shtar. When I buy you, you're free. The halacha is he's free from the time that he's bought. Okay, let's keep going. Reb Meir. Ditznan. Okay, I'll just say outside where Meir is very simple. We had this yesterday's daf. Yesterday's daf, we had the case where uh, men go over to a woman and give kedushin. I'll give you an example. A non-Jewish man goes over to a woman and says, Hareya Mekudeshesli, when I become Jewish. And we said yesterday, it does not work. Why? Because you're trying, the kedushin is not tofus by a guy. So you're trying now to be makna something that doesn't exist, which is you're giving over yourself for Kedushin, when that person doesn't exist right now. One of them is a guy, right? That's an example. You understand? That's an example. So we said yesterday it's not effective. We did not quote the entire Mishnah. The end of that Mishnah is, Rav Meir says it is effective. So this is what we had yesterday, just with the added words, Rav Meir, Oymer, Mekudeshes. Ditanan, Oymer, Lishari, Mekudeshes, Lilachashes, Gair, Lachashet, Tizgair, Lachashet, Tishtacher, Lachashet, Tishtacherer, Lachashet, Yamas, Balech, Lachashet, Tamas, Lachashet, Lachashet, Yachet, Lachashet, Eina, Mekudeshes. That we had yesterday. Rav Meir, Oymer, Mekudeshes. Rav Meir says, no, it works. Rav Meir feels you could be making a Dabr Shalai, Bala Oilam. The last two... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It doesn't exist. When it comes to a Kenyan, I'm not talking about physical items. When it comes to a Kenyan between a man and a woman, Kedushin, the items at play are the man and the woman. If the, neither man or woman exist halachically, which is what happens here, when the person's a guy, he doesn't exist halachically via Kedushin. So he's giving himself, he's making a Kenyan now that should take effect when he's Jewish. That person doesn't exist right now. It's an example of being makna davar shalay below, and Rameir feels that it's effective because he feels you could be makna davar shalay below. The Rabbanu feel that it's not effective. Last two is Rav Elazar ben Yaakov and then Rav Akiva. Rav Elazar ben Yaakov, Rav Akiva we already had by the way. Rav Akiva we had at the beginning of the daf, um, but Rav Elazar ben Yaakov, the Tanya. Um, again, we said I, I said before that you're not chayev in trumas and meisrus unless it's detached from the ground. So if I have fruit that's detached. And I want to separate, I, I say, this apples are truma for stalks that are attached to the ground. It doesn't take effect because those don't exist regarding truma. They just don't exist. Like when the Torah is scanning attached fruit, there's, there's no, they don't exist. So if you separate truma from detached for attached, it doesn't work. Except for Lesbian Yaakovolta, it does work. Why? Because he holds you could be mocked. I could separate truma now for when it's detached. That's an example of being mocked. These detached fruits, these detached fruits should be truma for these attached fruits when they're detached. So right now they don't exist regarding truma, but when they're detached, they should be taken care of. Then they're detached after growing a third, which is now they're obligated in truma. It works. That's an example of being makna and davar The last one is Rav Akiva. We had this in the beginning of Daf. Rav Akiva de Tanan. Koinam shani oisel aficha in itzarch lahafer. Rav Akiva miyefer shemitadav lov yosim in haroyle. And we had before that uh, a woman, if she makes a nether, saying that she doesn't want her husband to uh, acquire anything that she that she creates, 
the halach is Rabbi Kiva says it's effective because if she goes over the amount that the normal wife creates, like ten thousand dollars, it works. So she's right now assuring the amount of money that she makes above ten thousand dollars, even though the money doesn't exist right now, and it's effective. Okay. Last sugya. Okay. It's an interesting thing, and Tysus doesn't really understand this so much. Here's the deal. Why is it that an aid echad, right? We, we said in, in Mishnah, right, if one aid comes forward and says that the husband dies, she could remarry based on the one witness, right? And, and why is that? So if I were to ask you why is that, so the Gemara clearly stated already why that is. Yeah, yeah. The Gemara clearly stated why that is. He's not going to actually do it. He's just going to pretend. It's not a problem. So why why is it why is it that it's effective? So so we had this already. The reason why it's effective is because Chazal required her to do an investigation, and they trust her investigation is going to be is going to be proper. For some reason, the Gemara now has like a completely alternative option, and Tyson doesn't understand exactly why this is. The Gemara has a different reason why Ada had works. It's called Avidi Legluye. I don't really, okay, I'll tell you. Avidi Legluye means, okay, in Halacha, yeah, we paskin in the beginning of Taruvas that if I have a piece of cheese that falls into a thing of meat, right, you go by Shishim, yeah, we go with Shishim. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't actually go with Shishim. You know what he says you should do? You should ask a guy. It's called Timas Kfeila. He says you should ask a guy, have the guy taste the meat, yeah? If the guy says, I taste cheese, you can't eat it. If the guy says he doesn't taste cheese, you can eat it. That's the Shulchan Aruch's opinion. There's a very long Taz and Shach. They all ask the same kasha, which is, why are we trusting Goyim? Like, Bas B'chalov. Like, why are, we, why are we trusting Goyim? So you know what the Taz says? The Taz says, because it's Avida Legluye, meaning... Let's say, what are you afraid of? The guy's going to lie? He's going to say, I don't taste cheese even though there is to mess you up? Then what's going to happen? You're going to take one bite and you're going to be like, hey, what are you lying for? No one wants to lie if it's going to be found out. So the Gemara perhaps says the reason why one witness is effective by saying the husband dies is because at some point the truth will come out. At some point people are going to find out the truth. They'll, they'll find out. If the husband's alive, he'll walk in. If the husband's not alive, he'll never walk in. But I guess that'll be your answer. I don't know, they were never like, I guess they never were concerned about the husband just like going to Acapulco and never showing up again. I guess they thought the husband would eventually try to come back. So at some point they felt the Gemara, the Gemara feels that, it, that he'll come back. So it could be the reason why we believe one aid is not because the wife looks into it, but because eventually the truth will come out. That's the Gemara wants to know. What's the reason why we believe one witness? Is it because the wife investigates or because the truth will eventually come out? Now, again, Tysus asks... We already said the reason, which is the wife investigates. Okay, that, that's, that's Tyson's cash. But let, let's go to the Gemara. The Gemara says like this. Um, what if... Yeah. The case of the Mishnah is that one witness comes and says the husband died. And then she's single. Yeah? So we said we believe. We believe... Um, the one witness, and she's single. What if instead of one witness coming saying the husband died and she's single, what if one witness comes says the husband died and now she has to do yivam? Same exact case. One witness comes says your husband died, but in this case she has to do yivam as opposed to just being single. She has no kids. Do we still believe, do we still believe the one witness? What's the question? The Gemara says, 
is the reason why we believe one witness because mainly because the truth will eventually come out so there's no reason for him to lie so the truth will also come out here and there's no reason to lie meaning no one's going to lie saying the husband died when he's alive because eventually he'll be found out the truth so we should believe in this case as well or or perhaps the reason why we believe one witness is because we trust her investigation. But in this case, maybe we shouldn't trust her investigation. Why? Maybe she wanted to do evil. Meaning when the case, the average woman, right, when the husband, sh- the, she's being told that the husband died, we assume that she wanted to stay married. Now she's single. She doesn't want to be single. She doesn't want to have to financially support herself. It's not a good situation for her. So she'll look into it to make sure that the husband's actually dead because she kind of wants the husband to be alive. In this case, though, where the one witness comes and says, your husband died, you have to do evil, maybe she always liked her brother-in-law more. And maybe we shouldn't trust her investigation, because maybe she's not going to investigate properly, because she's going from a marriage to a marriage. Maybe she prefers that marriage. So that's the question. Is the reason why Eid Echad is Nemon? Because she's going to look into it, in this case, we don't trust her investigation, because maybe she likes her brother-in-law, and she's happy to marry the brother-in-law. Or perhaps the reason why we believe one witness is because he's not going to lie. Because why would he lie if the truth is eventually going to come out? So he wouldn't lie in this case either. That's the Gemara's cash. Do we believe one witness when it's saying the husband died and now she has to do Yibam? So the Gemara says, Amalur Rav Sheshis, Tenisua. Well, it's clearly in our Mishnah, right? The Mishnah says, Amalur Meis Benecha. I'll tell you outside, we'll see it in a second. The case of the Mishnah is, if you remember the case, one witness comes and says, your husband died, and then your son died, right? So it means you don't have to do Yivam, and then she married the wrong person, and then she found out. Or, the opposite case, your, your son died, then your husband died, you have to do Yivam, and she married, she did Yivam, and then they found out that it was messed up, and the whole Mamzer thing. It's clear from the Mishnah that one witness that comes and says that your husband died, and you have to Yivam, is believed, because that's the case of the Mishnah. You understand what I'm saying? The case of the Mishnah is, the whole point of the Mishnah is that you got one witness, you listened to him, and there was a mess up. The mess up being you did Yibam when you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have done Yibam and you did Yibam, whatever the case is. It's clear from the Mishnah that they listen to one witness. That's the point. To Tanisua, it says in the Mishnah, One witness comes and says that your son died, then your husband died. You have to do Yibam. And she does Yibam based on the one witness's account. So you see that it's a thing. And then, Then two witnesses come and say, uh, No, hey, it was a mess up. She has to leave, and the children are a mamzer. What's the case? If the case is that she listened to two witnesses, it was two against two, then why would we ever make her leave? Two witnesses come and say that there was a mess up. The first time that she listened, was it two? If she listened to two witnesses, then why did the second set of two witnesses come and say there was a mess up? Why does she have to listen to them? The answer is, Mamzer Suffolk, Mamzer who? And also, if it was two against two, we wouldn't say the kids are mamzer. We would say suffix mamzer because it's two against two. Rather, the cases, like I said, the cases one witness comes forward says you have to do yibam. We listen to him. Then two witnesses come says there was a mess up. Then we listen to them. Okay. Igadamri. We'll just end with this. Actually, some say that was not the, a different version of the Gemara. If one witness comes and says your husband died and you have to do Yibam, that's not a Shaila. Avada, we listen to one witness. Why? This is an interesting thing. Later on, it's a mission of Idias. 
The woman herself is believed to say that her husband dies, which is interesting. Meaning, if the woman comes forward and says, "My husband died," we believe her. That's that's a chiddush. That's the sugya later on. We'll get to it. I guess so. If, her, if she says that her husband died and she has kids, then Tinasi, she's single, she could remarry. Meisbaili, if if she says that her husband died and she doesn't have kids, Tisiyavin, she has to do Yibam. But we believe her. She actually does Yibam and she remarries based on her own testimony. If we believe her, we definitely believe one witness, for sure. Here's the Shaila. This is the Shaila, and we'll end with this. The Shaila is we know her husband died. Forget it, we know the husband died. So she's about to do Yibam. One witness comes forward and says, the Yavam died, and you're single. Right? She's about to do Yavam. She's supposed to do Yavam with the Yavam. One witness comes forward and says, hey, the Yavam died last week. You're free. You're single. Do we believe the one witness to say that the Yavam died? So the Gemara says, what's the Shailah? If the reason why we believe one witness is because eventually the truth will come out, no one's going to lie, the truth will come out in this case as well, and no one's going to lie. Or perhaps the reason why we believe one witness is because the woman will investigate. We trust her investigation. But ha, loy Perhaps the opposite. Perhaps she's not going to look into it because perhaps she hated her brother-in-law. And when she's told that her brother-in-law died, she's super happy about that. So she's not going to investigate. She's not like she... You, 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 I would assume a lot of women don't want to marry. The, they, they have no interest in marrying their brother-in-law. They never dated them. They have no interest. So perhaps when she hears that the brother-in-law died, she's not going to investigate. It's a yeah, she's, it's a relief for her. This time we believe emotions, but when, it, when our own husband died, we, we do believe Correct. It's very interesting, meaning... I guess the assumption is that the average woman wanted to stay married, even if it wasn't a happy marriage. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I would assume that we would not trust a woman's investigation. Every time the husband's told to be dead, she investigates and we trust her investigation and we don't say, maybe she hated her husband, she's super happy to be free. I guess the answer is, back then they stayed together, the divorce rate was low, even if they weren't happy. It wasn't. I'm saying, they, were, they stayed together, it wasn't, it wasn't an option. But you're, but that, it's an interesting thing. So that's the Gemara Shaila, and we'll stop here. We'll pick it up tomorrow. That's the show. Recording stopped.